On and off the field, women in sports are inspiring and motivating others to be the best versions of themselves, rewriting the rules and changing the game. This is the On Her Turf podcast, hosted by Katherine Tappen. Welcome to the On Her Turf podcast. I'm Katherine Tappen. Thank you so much for joining us for this episode, an episode I'm extremely excited about because today we are chatting in studio with my friend and colleague, Dan Hicks. Dan is our longtime and critically acclaimed golf and Olympic commentator. Dan, you're also the first male dude on the podcast. We so are welcome. we are breaking ground. Are. Now, it's great to see you, by the way. I know. Miss you. Too. you. And so it's great to see you. And it's an honor to be on your show. Aww, and it's even a you. bigger honor to be the first guy. Um, so I really understand what that is all about since I'm surrounded by women in my yes. life. But you know, we'll get into that later. But um it's great to see you. It's great Thank to be on the you. show. Thank you. I am so excited to see you, too. I know we used to see each other a lot more with different assignments we were doing, and now it's less frequently, but always in contact with each other, always encouraging each other. Um, it was really funny because yesterday or the day before when I, I always prepare these podcasts, even if it's a friend of mine uh, like yourself, who's I could just talk for hours with anyway. But, <laughs> I, did, you know, I do the Google search, and I want to read the NBC Press Box Club and make sure I cover everything. And it's so funny. Do you know when you Google your name, what comes up? You probably um, I think I probably know where you're going with this, but go Go ahead. <laughs> Dan Hicks and the hot Oh, flicks. yeah. And, and for I'm you, like, what the heck? This right. is fantastic. Your generation probably not too familiar with that, but I've gotten <laughs> albums from Dan Hicks giving in jest <laughs> to me because he's kind of an out there kind of dude. And if you, I would not, you know, some people like the music, some people don't, yeah. uh, but I'm certainly aware of the band. Dan okay. Hicks. And he I passed away. Aware. I think oh. he passed away. Uh, Last year, and, and I, I got some kind of like kind of funny texts and some things on social media that people got us a little mixed up. Oh, jeez. I'm still here. You're here. You're here. <laughs> Thank God you are because— R.I.P. Yeah, Dan uh, Hicks of the Hot Licks, but I'm still here. so funny. I'm like, that's fantastic. Um, <laughs> it's funny because Keith Jones, who I work with on the hockey coverage there, he lives in Philadelphia, and he's on Philadelphia Radio. And there is another Keith Jones who is a sports or news reporter in Philadelphia. And Jonesy said, like, his Emmy got mailed to Jonesy. <laughs> and he goes, yeah, I kept it, KT. I want to put that on display, make people think it's mine. Like, you can't keep something like yeah, that. Yeah, that's a whole other show, people mistaken <laughs> by other people. <laughs> mistaken uh, identity. Yeah, well, anyway, yeah. You're just back from the Bahamas. You look great. Nice little sun-kissed well, glow there. Yeah, yeah. It was nice. Hero it, World Challenge. Um, it, was, it was Tiger's event. It's always a pleasure to be around Tiger, especially, um, you know, what he's accomplished this yeah. year. Crazy. So we had him up for a nice interview. And uh, we were talking before we came on. He's just... Uh, he is just a change guy for the better, and we've been we you know I've known him since he was a teenager, been covering him since he was a teenager in those U.S. amateurs, and um, so it was really good to see him. He is totally at peace with who he is, what he's about, and he finished second to last in the tournament. Still came up, and we had a nice conversation and an in-depth interview with him. So it was really neat to see him. Yeah, have you ever come across? I mean, you've covered so many events and so many um, athletes over the course of your uh, illustrious career. But can you think of a guy that you've seen transition more than Tiger Woods from from what he went through to where he is now? I think it's it's an obvious similarity to me, and that's Michael Phelps mm-hmm. from the swimming standpoint. Those guys remind me of each other. Uh, in so many different ways, uh, and they came about at about the same time. And we've had the privilege of doing Michael Phelps's races for so long since he was 15 years old in the 2000 Games in Sydney. So we watched his meteoric rise. We all watched Tiger Woods's meteoric rise, and then they reached a point in their careers where they really faced some serious challenges. Mm-hmm. And Phelps has been very uh, upfront about what he's faced. Tiger, we all know what he's gone through. 
both guys have really come out of the end of it so much for the better. So they really remind me of, of one another. Yeah, that's so cool. It must be fun for you, too, to cover these events with Tiger now in a different way. I mean, he's more... And what I can see on TV is more apt to giving the interviews. He's more relaxed during the interviews. You're kind of getting a real human, not the robotic program dancer. Here's a great example. So we've been covering him for all these years, maybe 25 years. And what we do when we do a, a PGA Tour event or any event is... After 54 holes, I usually sit down uh, with just two or three of the contenders that are going to be in the mix on final round Sunday. So obviously Tiger's been in that position, you know, a hundred times. <laughs> We've asked him every single time to sit down and he's never done it. And we got so used to it that it just kind of became, all right, well, we're going to ask Tiger, but he's not going to be there. So who are the other guys we're getting? So the tour championship just a couple of months ago, um, we asked him again, and I hustle over after we get off air, and sometimes I'm able to sit down with the guys. Sometimes the guy gets finished early, and I'm not able to do it. But for the most part, I get to interview all the guys. So we're sitting there with the crew, and I said, well, that's it, right? You know, we just talked to Justin Rose. And they're like, no, we're waiting for Tiger. And I'm like, kind of, really? <laughs> we'll be waiting a while. <laughs> yeah. I, I said, well, he says he's going to come. Yeah, the, the tour says he's going to come, and he's planning on coming over. So I was not convinced. And so I said, well, where is he? Do you know where he is? And they said, well, he's out on the putting green. So I walked out to the putting green behind the clubhouse at Eastlake. And as I was walking out there, he saw me. I saw him. He started walking over and he goes, where are we doing this? Oh, my gosh. And I'm like, right over here. Sit down. (laughs) Yeah. So he came down. He came into the clubhouse and went went to, gave the best interview that I've ever had with him. And it just gave me one more reason, mm. like we were talking about earlier. This guy has totally, totally gets it and appreciates where he is. And we used the bites uh, the next day, a couple of them, which were really good. And he ends up winning for the first time, number 80. And we all know what happened with yeah. that, that crazy crowd scene at Eastlake. So uh, really cool oh, to see unbelievable. it. Unbelievable. That crowd scene, your call at Eastlake. I mean, I was glued to the TV texting my mom, who was an avid golfer, texting my sister, who was watching. Everybody I could think of, it was amazing to be a part of it, watching it from my couch. What was it like for you to have that call and to see it firsthand? I mean, I had chills. I can't imagine what you were going through. We were talking with Tiger this weekend about it, and and I just said, you know, no matter what happens from here on out, and what has happened in the past, and there's been some crazy, the highlight reel of Tiger Woods is as good as it gets in any sport, I think. And, but that singular moment of the comeback, the first time in five years winning from what he was about a year and a half before that with the publicized mug shot a mile and a half from his house in Jupiter where I thought, and everybody thought, forget about winning again. He's never going to play again. Mm-hmm. I really seriously thought that he was never going to play again. And to get to that moment... And to see the the scene there, that was not supposed to happen. That was a breach of security. <laughs> the, <laughs> the PGA Tour was not planning on that kind of reaction. But it was this organic thing that happened. Everybody went underneath the ropes, and it turned into this nutty scene. I'll never forget it. I had chills doing it. And it's what you get into the business for. And after covering Tiger all these years, who knows if that will be his last win? I hope not. But you never know. But it will stand singularly apart from any of the other great moments. Oh, no question. Uh, you mentioned you've been a part of this business. How, 25 years? 26? How long have you been doing this? Well, before? I've been at NBC <laughs> since 92. Oh, my gosh. My wife and I, Hannah, got to NBC a month apart. She got here a month before I did. And it's been, it's been an incredible run. I, I've been lucky enough to be in the right place at the right time. 
do the events that our people up top have uh, been able to secure the broadcast rights to. And you know it's, mm-hmm. it's, it, it is being – you do have to be fortunate in this business so you're not dancing around and kind of seeing where you're going to go next. So it's been, a, it's been an incredible run, and I, I just look forward to even more yeah. years down the road. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to get to Hannah and, you know, the big reason you're here as well, <laughs> talking about all the wonderful females in your life. But real quick, you know, do you ever – do you know immediately when a call is great – when you've gotten and you've nailed it? That's a good question. And I don't think I've ever been asked that question. You you have an idea of the enormity of the moment, I think. But you're so into the moment with the call. Like, for instance, one of, one of the best moments I've ever had a privilege to be a part of is when Tiger won the U.S. Open in 2008 at Torrey Pines. And we were all sitting there watching. You could hear a pin drop and there was 30,000 people just draped over the gallery ropes at that, at that hole. And I, I'm thinking, is he going to make this? And, and it, it went in and just came pouring out of my inner soul <laughs> was the expect anything different line. And so you, you do it and it happens and the crowd goes crazy. And then you, you go, you know, you had another round and we had a playoff the next day. And so then you go about your business. And as the years have gone on, you know, people really kind of connected with that scene, first of all, that Tiger produced. And then they, they said, you know, hey, that was really cool what you said. And I said, I was just reacting to whatever I thought everybody else was thinking. Everybody here expects and I look over at Johnny Miller and I look at him and he's like, like, this is going down. <laughs> and so I had that feeling. So you don't know, but I think it kind of the longevity of it, which has been boosted by the incredible moment that Tiger produced is kind of made it that way. So I don't think you know fully. Right. I don't think Al Michaels knew fully, do you believe in miracles? But, you know, all these years later, uh, it's just as good as it was in, yeah. in 1980. But that's what makes you so great and Al Michaels so great is that you guys are able to verbalize what we are seeing and what we are thinking and what you're thinking. Like you said, your reaction is just to say what you feel. Um, another moment that I'm sure you would say would rank right up there as well, and I have to credit my researcher, Stephen Lorenzo, for bringing this again back to my attention. And we were just chatting off camera. The iconic 4x100 free leg in Beijing in 2008, the split, when Jason Lezak swam the greatest come back from behind, never say die leg in history. You and Rowdy Gaines had that call. Where does that rank for you on the all-time greatest calls that you've ever had the opportunity to do? It's right up there near the top. It's probably it's probably right up there with the expect anything different at Torrey Pines uh, because it had everything. And it might even be better than that just because of what transpired that entire week. Obviously, Michael Phelps won eight gold medals, eight for eight, and it's the greatest Olympic performance in history. But there were two races that needed to kind of go his way. The other one was the 100 fly, which happened later, which was unbelievable. But this was the second of the eight gold medals. And there was a French team that was so good. And so we kind of set the stage that Jason Lezak has to be ahead of Alain Bernard or this thing has no shot. Rowdy Gaines, my great friend and great analyst, had broken it down. And we had the time that, you know, that Lezak needed for a lead. You know, but here he is. He's in the pool, and Bernard's got a lead on him. And so that, that is like it's out the window. We're thinking, well, let's, let's let it happen. So he's going down the pool, and he's pulling away, as we described. And then he makes the turn, and about maybe, you know, 50 meters left, all hell breaks loose. I mean, <laughs> I, I'm, I'm elbowing Rowdy. And my voice is heightening, and Rowdy's just getting ready to explode. And Lezak just pulls this off. And I still to this day have never had that kind of energy or screaming octave in my voice. It was 
natural. We were going crazy. Um, all of America couldn't believe it. And it was just, uh, it was right out of a movie, right out of a Hollywood movie script. You couldn't write it mm, any better than no. that because before the race, the French were popping off saying, we're going to smash these guys. And then Drew Esikoff, who you know well, mm-hmm. our incredible director of swimming. Tommy Roy was the producer of those Olympics who I work with on golf uh, all the time and I'm attached to the hip with and everything we do. But Drew Esikoff took a shot, went back to the French with this stunned look on their faces. So he told the story. It was produced just perfectly. And so you dream for those moments when you think you can enhance it. It's a great moment on its own. You certainly didn't do anything to produce it. But if you can just enhance it, make it a little more memorable, that's certainly uh, right near the top. Yeah, that's awesome. Well, enhance and memorable are definitely things that you do on the broadcast every single week when we get to watch you. I love working with you. We have some great conversations. I miss working with I you, I know. Tom. We got to work together every weekend on Notre Dame football, and hopefully we'll get the opportunity down the road with various other events you never know at NBC. But, um, you know, one of the things that I loved most were our conversations, and we would have great conversations, whether we were having dinner or on the planes, whatever it was, and we'd laugh. And so much of what you shared with me with your personal life and with your family really resonated with me as a female in sports. And um, of course, as you've touched on, you've been married. It'll be 25 years, yeah. right? January yep. 8th I to Hannah Storm, who is coming on the podcast next week. And I know. She's totally pumped to oh, come on. I mean, she's an icon. She's paved the way for women like me to have the opportunity to be a sports broadcaster. She is, no question, one of the very, very best male or female in the industry. I mean, I hate when people separate us, but that's just the nature of what happens. But when we started this podcast, we talked about also getting male allies of women who are very strong. They value sports. They want to be involved in sports. Not only do you have Hannah, you have three beautiful daughters, Riley, Ellery, and Hannah, who also are athletic and into sports. So talk to me about this wonderful female network around (laughs) you and how awesome. I mean, I think your dogs are female too, right? You've got a little... Um, I Actually, we had to Go male and the dogs. You did? Okay. Yeah. Uh, right. One has kind of a name that could go either side. But okay. anyway, that's a whole other story. Uh, yeah, it's, you know, I think one of the reasons we connected is that I, you know, I, I, I know what road Hannah's taken in this business. And it's a very, very male-dominated business. And I met her at CNN Sports back in, even before we got to NBC, I got to know her. And it was uh, it was a male locker room. CNN Sports was uh, a guys hangout. It was uh, it had always been. Hannah was the first female mm-hmm. uh, sports anchor for CNN Sports. So we're back in 1989 here, to where we're we're still in the days where women are really knocking on doors. And Hannah told me her whole story uh, of what she went through. And and here's a just even at CNN. Bill McPhail, who is the former uh, president at CBS Sports, an illustrious career, great guy, hired both of us there. She told When she told me the story, this is what really hit home. So we all went in for interviews before we got hired in addition to having our tapes and having them look at our tapes. So she says, did you get a quiz um, on, on sports? I'm like, what are you, what are you talking about? Yeah. She goes, did he like, go through some of the leagues and ask you like uh, how many – how many teams are here, and can you give me the American League East and the you know National League uh, West? I said, no. And she said, that's what I did. And that just kind of really hit home, that this guy still was questioning, even though she had this brilliant tape that they fell in love with, uh, that they just were like, the guys, they, they know what they're talking about, but I'm not so sure about this gal. Wow. And I just thought to myself, you know what? 
that's not right. And so she continued to tell me stories. I, I, I mean, on and on and on. And even through CNN, going into locker rooms uh, was a really horrifying experience at times. The, the, what, what guys said, it's gotten a lot better, but it just really hit home with me. And I grew up with two older sisters. So mm-hmm. I, it, I've always had, um, you know, a little bit more of a keener eye on this whole situation. But I just really admired her. I really admired her for what she went through, you know, even through all these, these situations against the odds of a woman make it in this business that uh, she just kept, kept plowing through. And, and hopefully, like you said, it's helped, you know, some other women. And then and you mm-hmm. are being looked up to by, and I'm sure you see them all the time. Sure. Yeah, of Little course. girls out there in hockey arenas and wherever you go, wherever yeah. your career takes you. I'm sure you're seeing them. So it's slowly building. It can get better, and it has. But uh, th- those were the days. It's not too long ago, really, but it was. Uh, it's come a long way, but it needs, still needs to keep going. She also made history this fall. Uh, she and Andrea Kramer becoming the first all-female broadcasting pair to call an NFL game. You've called a number of NFL games. You've called college football, Notre Dame football, and NBC. Um, did you offer her any advice? What did you tell her when she took on this massive undertaking to make history? Yeah, first of all, I, I commend her for taking the job. It, it was a very intimidating thing to do, but she had to do it. She knew she had to do it, and she wanted to do it, and she's doing great at it. But to not do basically any play-by-play, she's maybe done a couple games, the WNBA back in her NBC days, but really no play-by-play to speak of at all. Football is probably the hardest sport to do Mm -hmm. play-by-play. It really is tough. And so, yes, uh, she just was like starting from scratch. And the people at Amazon who are running the show there, they're inexperienced. So they just like liked Hannah. They knew she knew sports. And okay, Andrea Kramer, Hall of Famer in the NFL. You guys are going to be great. Uh, We're doing the game on Thursday night. We'll see you there. (laughs) So Google the game. Have fun. Hannah starts asking me questions. And I I realized, wow, this is an undertaking. So I got her connected with a guy that gets some boards done for her. So she's got some depth chart. And I really had some long conversations with her just on things that I learned through doing, you know, hundreds of games. Um, When I first got to NBC, I was new at it. And I learned the learning curve is incredible for these things. But yeah, we had a lot of conversations from depth charts to things to keep an eye on just little pieces of advice that I tried to give her. It's all about the game. It's just, it's coming 100 miles an hour. And uh, she's really, really improved. And uh, it's it's been neat kind of watching her and giving her a little bit of advice. Uh, I I remember one of the first times your depth charts were delivered to Notre Dame to the hotel we were at and you whipped them out of this massive like FedEx. But it was one of my first broadcasts doing college football. And I'm looking at you like, what is that? Yeah, she has those same ones. Do I need one of those? That's really (laughs) intense. Um, she does have one of those, but she's she's such a presence. Anytime you're around Hannah, and I've had the opportunity to be around her, she has a, a commanding presence in a room. Um, she's so vivacious. She's smart. She's all these wonderful things. But I'm sure, you know, she's had her challenges as well, and we'll talk about this next week on the podcast with her. But from your perspective, um, how have you helped her, uh, this very strong woman in your life, uh, how have you helped her get through some difficult times? What kind of techniques or tactics have you used? Yeah, I've, uh, it goes way back to this, those CNN days where we really had to, I, I, you know, remember having long talks with her, um, about, and we became really good friends before we started dating. And I think that's why we've been able to stay married for 25 (laughs) years in this crazy business and three kids, but we were really good friends at first and we still are. And I still always used to call her, you're my best friend. And she still is. 
And that was that was really, I think, um, cemented in the early times where we would sit and we would, I remember going back to her apartment after a show. We anchored a lot together. And she would just kind of bounce back and forth things that happened, you know, during the day, whether she got a highlight sheet and some guy rolled his eyes because she didn't know how to pronounce some guy's name or whatever. And I would just say, you know what? You've just got to really, you know, you've got to, you can't let these little smaller people um, get in the way of where you want to go in this business. And I said, I, I also, you have to say, I get it. You know, you're not being treated like, like mm-hmm. us. You're not being treated like a sports broadcaster. There are still many instances where you're going to get that and you're going to continue to get that. doesn't happen as much anymore, but I'm telling you, it still happens once in a while. And I'm sure you have some examples mm-hmm. of it as well. So I would just, uh, I would just still just say, you know what? You're great at what you do. You're incredibly talented and you keep doing your thing and let those other people's uh, opinions and ideas just roll off your back because there's nothing that's going to stop you. You have incredible talent. She's one of the most talented people in this business that I've ever – and I've worked with her. I know I know what she can do and I watch her and her work ethic is incredible. I, you, got, you got the whole package. Yeah. Don't let anything get in the way of you realizing what you want to do and that's what – she preaches to mm-hmm. you know uh, younger girls and stuff. You know you got to you got to go for it. And she, but she got a little frustrated at times. So I was just there just to kind of you know lean on. And she bounces, still bounces a lot of things. We talk all the time about the business, and I think that um, it's another reason why we've been able to hang out all these years is because I understand the demands. She understands the demands that I have, but I really really understand what she's been through uh, and what she's gone through and where she's come from. It's amazing. And I, I loved chatting with you as well over the years about the balance because it is a significant, I mean, you guys have two ginormous careers. You've got three beautiful daughters and they were young growing up and you had challenges of getting kids to different sporting events and different extracurricular activities. And one, you might be broadcasting somewhere else in the world. Hannah's, you know, anchoring wherever she is. How did you do it all? What what would be, and I know this is a huge question for all the years you've, you've been married, but how do you do it? Yeah, it's I remember the days when we were both at NBC Sports. We would be occasionally on the same show. She would do a few of the U.S. women's golf, and we had three kids, three little kids, and we we said we we got to take them with us. So we would take them with us, and it was like a traveling circus with all the <laughs> things we had. And I remember um, a few veterans of the business saying, "Wow, you know that's a lot because this is a you know it's a lot because when you get off the air, you're tired. You know how it is. You have mm-hmm. a long day." And you just want to like kind of just chill and go to bed or whatever, have a glass of wine and hit the sack. But now, now we've got our kids. Yeah. And it's like high energy. And this is going on for days and days while you're at an event. But we thought it was important to bring them all with us. Uh, we obviously had a nanny with us as well. But it was, it's, a, it's a lot. And so we took them. I remember uh, when Hannah first had our first child, Hannah, she took her to the NBA finals as a little infant. So we took them wherever we could. And then it gets challenging when they grow up and they get, you know, school age where they've got to, you know, do their thing at school. But we made it a priority. And Hannah made – and she'll, you'll get into this when you, when you have her on your show. She made several career um, key decisions where she put family first mm-hmm. and where she put um, being a mother first. And that's another reason why I respect her so much. She didn't let – we always said – we do not want to be identified by our jobs. We don't want to become one of those people. And we always used to talk about that. I said, I go, the first time we do that, this is really going to be tough. 
We are Hannah and Dan, mom and dad, husband and wife first. And our careers are great. We're going to do everything we can to continue them. But that has to be our identity. And I think it's a simple thing, but it's uh, if you remember that, everything else kind of falls into place. That's awesome. I mean, and you guys, the mom and dad, Hannah and Dan, raised three beautiful and very smart and talented daughters. Hannah's at USC. Yeah. Right? You've got Ellery at Santa Clara and Riley, who's applying to college. I mean, pretty soon you're going to have an empty nest. I know. I can't believe it. And believe me, Hannah, you you, you might get into that on the show or she might start crying. Um, it's, it's, I it's remember um, when Hannah went to college at USC and you were, I mean, it was hard. We were on the road at Notre Dame and you had dropped her off and flown in from I know. LA and it was tough on you. I know it's funny. It's, uh, it's in Hannah, believe me, as, as a woman, a mother, she would get uh, all the time feel guilty about being away from the kids. And it's funny, it all kind of has come back in the, in the recent years with our with our oldest one getting ready to go out into the workforce and already having internships. She's working a full-time job and finishing school, my oldest one. And my, my middle one, and Riley too. And so just some of the things they've said the last couple years as they've matured, you think that you're doing all this and you're giving them messages and you're doing your job. And I told Hannah the other day, uh, I've told her a couple times in the last year or so, I go, see what's happening here? They've been watching you. Mm. They've been watching what you're doing. They've been watching your work ethic. And your daughter, your oldest daughter, is like you. She's out there motivated, wants to do things. Um, She's in the music industry. And she wants to, you know, make it a better place for female artists. And I'm thinking to myself, this is really cool. And I just tell Hannah, I go, look, at this is you. This is your work. So. That is awesome. What kind of values did you instill in them as young girls? I know they were very into horseback riding. They were involved in so many other sports. But um, what, what did you try to tell them growing up to instill that confidence and to help guide them? And especially in this day and age where there's so many distractions with Instagram and girls can get sidetracked very easily. What did you do to change that? Well, sports is a big, big, huge component of it all. And, you know, obviously we do what we do. We love sports. Our oldest daughter, who I just described, is uh, more into music. But we really told her it was important that she play sports. And she did it reluctantly, but every time she got on a team, she had a good time. And she was, by, she, by far, she's not the best athlete of the three. Our, our little one's good and our middle one's really good. But in the oldest, but we, we said, you know what? You need to do this. And we all basically said, you're going to play sports. So sports is a huge component of it. And I think in my wife, Hannah, you can get into this on the show with her too. She wrote a book called Go Girl that talked about the importance of sports for young women. I think it's an incredibly powerful thing that teaches so much um, about team, about self-esteem, about getting off the social media for a little bit. And, mm-hmm. and my youngest one is just rabid sports player, not necessarily follower of sports, but loves to play sports and compete. It's great for their confidence compete, work hard. You see all these things happen in real life that happen in sports. Work hard, things happen, good things happen. So sports was a huge component of it. So we were really, really um, adamant on getting them all into sports. So that, that I think is probably one of the biggest components. And then the other things you tell them as a, as a parent, you know, <laughs> follow your dreams and sure. do your best and all those things. And All very important things, yeah, by yes, the way. Yes, yes. Do you think that women and young women that play sports and young girls that play sports, do you think they have a competitive edge when they do 
one, apply to colleges and want to go to prestigious universities like your daughters. Uh, two, when they want to go into the workforce and they want to have that extra oomph that it takes to get the job. I mean, do you think that sports provides that competitive advantage? Absolutely. I'll ask you. You were a heck of a yeah. track athlete, yeah. Rutgers. A, <laughs> and, you know, <laughs> you're, you play golf. Your mom's a good – I mean – I think that you can't help but gain confidence mm-hmm. from being successful at those things. I see it. I see the look on my girl's face. There's nothing that I enjoy more than watching my girls play sports. And that doesn't mean they have to win every game. That doesn't mean they have to be the top scorer of every game. I just look on their face and, and you know, and the look on their face when, they're, when they are successful, the look on their face when they're not, what they learn about themselves. It's, it's an incredible natural teacher. And... I, I, it's my favorite thing, and that's that's what we're going to miss most when my youngest one leaves high school is she's not going to play college sports. So this is like the end of watching oh, your child play sports, yeah. and in this case, three girls who I think uh, benefited immensely from it. Well, down the road, maybe they'll pick up tennis and leisure or golf. You can I, go on the golf course I'm with them. I'm trying to get them to play golf. They don't play golf. That's another thing. Um, as you go on with your on your, on her turf yes. podcast tapping, I know you, you love the game of golf. The prom- I do. I, I try to get all my girls into golf. They all played early, early on. Couldn't keep them in it. To this day, I've preached. You know what? You guys, it's still not too late. You don't have to be great. I mean, you can speak to this. You know, there's and I can't. I, <laughs> I'm not. Great. No, 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 no. I but to, speak to my this. next point. <laughs> so I, all the all, you know, all my travels to going to all these golf tournaments, I've run into. Tons of women, and the story is so good to hear. They're like, I was, I would go on a business trip, and the guys would all go on the golf course, and I would be like, what am I going to do? And they'd reconvene at the business portion of the day, and they'd go, go. so so many of them said, you know what, I'm going to learn to play golf. And they went out, they learned to play the game, and it's such a great game. Not just guys. Women need to realize what a great game of golf is from a business standpoint. I tell my girls... You guys, if you can just get out there and play, you're going to be able to talk business, and it's going to be so beneficial in so many ways. So I'm a big proponent of that. It's so true. I love the four or five hours you're on a golf course where you're, you know, for the most part, and most courses don't allow you cell phones, where you are uninterrupted. Yeah. For me growing up, that was the most special time I had with my mom and my dad. And my sister's much like like that. The professional, she got into golf much later when she was working in the industry, when she was working in finance in Manhattan, was invited to a bunch of different golf outings and said, you know, I got to figure this out. I got to play. And it has done wonders for her. Um, For me, I mean, I just love it and I have no shame, so I don't care if I am not the best that I should be. I think if I had more time, like anybody to dedicate to it. I see the slow-mos on the the American Century Celebrity Golf Championship where Catherine Tappan is now a fixture. How fun is that? I mean, I didn't come in last, so that's good. But you know what, though? There aren't enough women in that event. But I will say there's a women's network here. At at, um, at NBC, and we have uh, monthly meetings. We have wonderful speakers that come in and talk to us. And we also have this golf event. You know, on Thursday night, we've done it a couple times, but go right up to the local golf course and have a group of 20, 25 people. And whether you're good or not, just let's go to the driving range, hack the ball around, then we all grab, you know, drinks or appetizers yeah. afterwards. It doesn't have to be 18 holes right, but four it, and a half, five hours. But you'd yeah. be amazed at how many people have gained interest just because it's this fun activity to do, and you don't have to be great at it. Right. But it's a great networking event. Yep. 
Yep. I think some women are intimidated by going to a big golf course right. where they, well, they play the U.S. Heck, Open I'm intimidated here. by that. Uh, you know, it's I mean, how, how nervous were you when you got to Tahoe oh gosh, and you're on the, the first, first tee? And they're like announcing your name. Can and I bring the club Olympics? back? I, I really Am I going to make contact? Shaking. Or am I going to whiff in front of all these people? <laughs> shaking. And nothing like getting the text from our boss, Sam Flood, who I adore, but he, <laughs> don't screw up tap, make, make us proud or something. I'm like, ah! Yeah, right, right. Yeah, I'll, exactly. I'll try my best not to drive the ball into the trees or hit somebody, but well, you've it's got a your mom event. on the back as a multiple club yes, champion. Yeah, my mom. So yeah, my good. mom caddies, and everybody at that event loves my mom. The first year, Justin Timberlake came up and said, "Hi, mom." You, I'm like, "Oh my god!" Justin Timberlake just <sighs> called my happening? first time meeting him. Justin Timberlake called my mom, mom, and then he was asking her <laughs> on like parenting advice. I'm like, "This should be good." JT loves golf. The best. It's oh, a he great. Does. It's a great uh, facilitator. Uh, in so many ways, golf is just such a great game. It's just unique from all other yeah. sports. You can play it till you're, you're yeah. 90. Yeah, my grandmother played until the day she died. That event, though, I have more people coming up to me on the event who don't even know me from my profession, or they may, may maybe they do, maybe they don't. They thank me because their daughters are there, and they say, thank you so much for coming out here and yep. playing. My daughter's been following you because she really wants to play the game. And, and that's not easy for you to do, to put your game on display yeah, out there. Now no. you're getting a little more comfortable with it. And but I'm it's, super competitive, and I get really yeah. frustrated when yeah. I don't hit good yeah, shots. Yeah, it's a tough, it's that initial, it's like, you know, Hannah doing the Amazon play-by-play. Yes. It was tough, but she's done it. Now it's, you know, you've done that, and so you've, you and then all these little girls are watching. Yeah, They're watching yep. closer than you think. They are. And do you recognize that from your perspective of being a role model as well to men and women? Do you, do you kind of own that role that you have by being a natural leader and being in front of the cameras every single day? I think all of us in this business, and I, re- I remember coming up in this business, and I remember asking people for advice, guys that have been in the business for a long time. And I remember the guys that were really, really helpful, like the Dick Embergs, the late Dick Emberg, who was such an incredible broadcaster for NBC, was there when I got there back in the day. And he could not have been more helpful. I remember that like it was yesterday. And it stuck with me. I also remember the guys that weren't as helpful. And that stuck with me. And I told myself, I don't care how far I make it in this business. I have a responsibility to reach down the ladder and help the next guy up. Or the next girl up. I'm talking to more, you know, women that are getting involved in this in this business. Um, so, yeah, I think that's an incredible responsibility that you have to take seriously. And uh, every time Hannah or I get any kind of request that involves kids, children, it's like it's just a separate thing. These are young people. They they need. We need to do as much as we can to help them out, give them the confidence to get into this business if they want to. You mentioned your sisters, and I know your mother also was a huge influence for you. Um, She she passed away while we were doing one of the – well, during one of our seasons in Notre Dame. And I I just remember how difficult that was on you because of your close relationship with her. What what did you learn from your mom and your sisters as well as far as – you know, treating other women and and all that comes into being a responsible, proud man, but also with all these women in your life. Yeah. Um, my mom was like the biggest influence in my life as far as you can do anything you want to do. I heard that like from the day I can first remember, you can do anything you want to do. You can be anybody you want to do. So there was no one that was prouder when I started kind of getting uh, ascending in this business. But there's also something that I'll never, I'll never forget, and this is crystal clear. I don't know if I know, know if I've told anybody this, but um, I, my middle sister, my older sister, I had two older sisters, like you said, and the one closest to me in age. I'll never forget the day we were watching TV one day, 
And these are the days where I think remotes just kind of started, came out. <laughs> so I had, the re- I had the remote, and we were going back and forth, and we, I wanted to watch sports or something, and she was trying to watch some other program. And we were arguing, and my dad was in the kitchen. He could kind of hear us going back and forth. And I, we were going back. It was kind of heating up between the two of us. And so I just got so mad. I grabbed, I grabbed the remote from her. And I just really, and she was holding on to it as tight as she could, but I just grabbed it out of her hands. And my dad came over and he said, never, ever do that again. I said, well, what do you mean? I didn't do it. He goes, you used force on somebody that's not as strong as you are. That remained in my head to this day. And it's just one of those things that you never forget. Mm -hmm. And so where we are today all of these things that are becoming more and more um, visual in front of us as a society, uh, that was probably one of the most genius pieces of parenting my dad could ever give me. So when I talk to my girls, I kind of spin it around and say, never, ever, if there's anything forceful involved, you are so out of there. And first of all, try not to put yourself in that position but it's a serious, serious thing, and I think dads have to have those conversations with young girls. And I've, I've tried to have those conversations with my girls and have. And it goes back to my dad uh, um, doing what he did that day. I'll, I'll never forget it. And I just thought to myself, you know what? He's right. There's just, I don't, just, just no excuse for any of that. Good for you. Yeah. Good for you for instilling that empowerment as well in your three beautiful daughters. Uh, I know we've kept you for a long time here, Dan, but uh, before we go, I mean, what's your guilty pleasure? What do you like to do to kind of, <laughs> you know, I know you like to golf. Are you a six handicap? Um, I'm hovering around? just into the six Holy high six cow. point range. I, I played I played probably more golf uh, this fall than I have in a while. There were some good weather days. Yes. And, uh, it was great. So I love to play golf. I just, uh, my Hannah doesn't totally get it, but she gets it. She knows that I'm, uh, it's your thing. I just think it's great. It's, it's four and a half, five hours where you get on, you get on the first tee with your friends and, and you're like, this is all we're going to do. The cell phones are away. And I love the game. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm lucky, very lucky to broadcast uh, a sport that I truly love to play as well. Uh, but so I love to do that. And, uh, I also, I also, my guilty pleasure is I love cigars. Those kind of go hand in hand. <laughs> and so those are the things I like to do. Um, and, and I skiing is a great activity, a mm-hmm. uh, family activity. I yes. got my girls all on skis. That's awesome. Uh, and we made them go to ski school. They cried freezing. Yes, freezing. And I we know. made them get on there. To this day, it's one of the best family activities that uh, we've, ever, we've ever built up. And I used to do a father-daughter ski trip oh, every awesome. year. And my girls Can I be still, an honorary Hicks daughter, please? Come on over. <laughs> we, I, we still talk about I got all the pictures. And Riley and I are trying to figure out, and you know, my other girls are kind of busy with college. And Riley and I, my youngest, are trying to figure out just uh, a spot where we can sli- slip away to in January because we love to do it. And I think uh, it's been one of the cool things is instilling a love of skiing. And at the same time, Hannah, my wife, used to be like, well, I can't go. No, no, no. This is just fathers. This is just dads. So I'd get other dads. So I encourage fathers out there that have young girls and you want to get them into sports, just do it from a dad-daughter thing. It's the coolest dynamic. 
it's just it was one of the most rewarding things we ever did every year. A few of my my dad friends and their daughters and those girls became great friends with my daughters and they're still friends mm-hmm. and it's a real really cool thing uh, to do. Simple thing, but yeah, simple. But, but really has been a lasting memory. Yeah. Cigars and uh, yeah, and maybe a nice <laughs> little glass of red wine too. You never yeah. know, as long as you're not dropping it. But which is one of my funniest stories. But can I share that story? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. At the party. Your oh. holiday party. Oh, yeah. It, I had forgotten f- about it until you just oh, brought it up. One of my fa- <laughs> it's just such a funny story, but we're at your beautiful Christmas party, yours and Hannah's, a couple years ago, I think it was. Yeah, and, yeah. And you were, you're so great with the crowd. You know, you're the crowd. You had a beautiful group of people there and, and wonderful friends and family, and, and you're, you know, passing around glasses of wine, and I, I think one may have dropped. Um, you know, maybe <laughs> it's just perception, a little depth perception there, but... Um, <laughs> Drop the glass, and my initial reaction is just because I love you, and we worked together for so long, and I, I laughed, and I made fun of you right away, like right away, right off the top. And you're you're laughing, and everyone's joking about it. They clean it up real quickly. I swear it was not ninety right. seconds you're later. You're right. You're right. Not ninety <laughs> seconds later, someone bumped into me, and I'm sticking to that story, and I drop my glass, and it shatters everyone. I'm going, oh, my, and now I'm just mortally embarrassed because it's not my house. So <laughs> it's like so, and we laughed and laughed and laughed. But you're right. It, it's I, so I, funny. That's so funny. You brought, yeah, you karma's that up. a biatch sometimes. So um, like, it came yep. down and you struck me. You came back. But it got you. Yeah, we got you. But we've had some great times, and this included. So thank you for coming on. Thank you for sharing everything wonderful that's been in your life and your family and all these great stories with us. I know our, our audience will certainly love it. And, and for just being an amazing man to support all of the women in your life, not just in your household, but people like me as well who, who just really respect you and love getting advice and any chance I can to pick your brain or give you a big hug well so, my pleasure tap you. uh you know how what i how much i respect you uh not only as a broadcaster you're just continuing mm-hmm. to just rise and rise you're so good you work so hard you remind me a lot of hannah you're oh, thank you. talented That's and you work huge compliment you're thank talented you. and you it. work hard you <laughs> never amazing. take you never take anything for granted but even more so uh, you know, not to get too sentimental here, but I'm you're like, just, you're gonna make me no, 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 no. <laughs> you're, you're just a great person. And I think that I know that comes off across on the air. You never underestimate your audience out there. And I think they know just like I do what a great person Catherine mm-hmm. Tappan is. I mean well, that. Thank you, Dan. Uh, it's been fun. Happy yeah, holidays to you and the family. A lot of fun. Looking forward to having Hannah nah, next week. Looking forward to listening to it, thank Tap. You. Thanks a lot for having me. Happy holidays to you too. A very special thank you to my colleague and friend, Dan Hicks, for joining us. You can download the On Her Turf podcast wherever you download your podcast and let us know what you think. We certainly want to hear from you, so be sure to chime in and also follow us on Instagram at On Her Turf. Have a great rest of your day, everyone. Be sure to join us next time for the On Her Turf podcast.